No mai, hare mai. Welcome to this episode of the Windows on Dementia podcast. My name is Harriet, and I'm the communications advisor here at Alzheimer's New Zealand. It's been a tough couple of weeks as more and more of us become affected by COVID-19. The numbers of people testing positive for the virus are rising steadily every day. There can be no doubt that contracting COVID is a difficult experience for everyone. But what happens when you are also living with or supporting someone with dementia? Here to talk to us today is Sarah France, a Taranaki-based doctor specialising in the mental health of older adults. Sarah is a board member of Alzheimer's New Zealand and has extensive knowledge of the aged care system, both in the UK and Australia. Thanks for joining us today, Sarah. Can you paint us a picture of what it's like at the moment for people living with dementia? Kia ora, Harriet. Thank you for having me. Yes, so everybody has had a strange and bizarre two years that none of us would have anticipated even three years ago would happen. And even when those first news stories broke back in early late 2019, early 2020, I think most of us thought it was going to be like bird flu and just kind of drift over, not really cause much disruption. But what's laid ahead is wave after wave of lockdowns and anxiety for everybody out there. New Zealand's been pretty lucky throughout this all and avoided really any big infection numbers. But now that Omicron's here, COVID is taking grip of the country and I guess it's just led to a lot of uncertainty. There's been lots of traumas with it, with loss of day programmes um, and support services for the families and carers of people with dementia. Obviously, there's still a lot of anxiety about whether they should send their loved ones to these day programmes because people with dementia, unfortunately, are most vulnerable of getting more unwell because they often have comorbidities as well as the dementia that make them more at risk of getting more unwell with if they do contract COVID. If you keep your loved one at home with dementia or you're someone with dementia and just stuck at home, you lose out on all that cognitive stimulation you get from social interactions. And that creates kind of boredom, loss of routines and can lead to further cognitive decline. And also some of the symptoms that generally warrant a referral to our service, which are the behavioural and psychological symptoms of dementia. So the research has shown that in general, there's an increase in apathy, which is the people like people with dementia not really having the drive to do anything, as well as irritability, agitation and aggression. And this puts a lot of strain if you're the person caring for someone with dementia and they're getting aggravated with you. And especially because we're all in our bubbles and trying to limit contact with those outside of the bubble. So that limits the amount of support that the people living with dementias and carers have from the outside. One of the other struggles with COVID lockdowns is the isolation and the difficulty when people don't have family members immediately around them to support. So one example I can think of from my clinical work is a lady who was only fairly recently diagnosed with a young onset dementia who was fiercely independent and living alone. 
she did have a son living locally, but their relationship was very strained due to multiple issues in the past. And so she wanted nothing to do with him. And because of the nature of the issues, we had to respect that. But her only other family were in Australia. So her main source of support was her next door neighbour, who was a great support. But when we first met, this lady, she was independent, she was still able to drive. Then in, I think it was the second lockdown, her and her neighbour decided that they would be in separate bubbles. And that unfortunately for the lady in question was a, a big blow to her ability to be independent because the isolation led to a decline in her cognition. She did have the supports of the local Alzheimer's Association as well as another NGO providing support to do shopping because essentially her cognition declined so much that she was no longer safe to drive so we had to take her license away and that took away the independence and then with the declining cognition her self-care deteriorated significantly too and unfortunately despite that lockdown ending and her maintaining some support with the neighbour she never quite bounced back Um, and she was an insulin-dependent diabetic and actually ended up in hospital and from hospital has had to transition to permanent care. And I think that really demonstrates how negatively the lockdowns can affect people living with dementia if they are alone. Mm. I was interested you were talking about the impact on the carers as well. I guess they've got an even harder job because they kind of have to make the decisions on behalf of that person with dementia and they're kind of feeling that maybe they need to stay home more and I mean it varies from people to people some people actually enjoy the staying home because it it creates a sense of safety in that bubble and they don't have to worry about the outside world but then it's how do they get the support that they need in that journey. So so I know that here in Taranaki, agencies providing care for people in their home have been unable to retain the numbers of staff that they need to maintain consistent service to those people with living with dementia. And so people are finding that sometimes the carers just don't turn up. And so then the care partners faced with the difficulty of trying to do those things that they've had support with before such as the personal cares which and so that's a strain and then there's also the difficulty with getting access to respite services so one lady in particular who I've been talking to about this issue was looking at getting her husband into respite just at the beginning of this wave of Omicron but unfortunately the rest homes changed their policy she had one week's worth of respite and if her, she sent her husband to respite he was going to have to be in quarantine for those first two weeks he was there so he would have basically been isolated and again that doesn't fill you with hope that that's the care that you want your your loved one to have. Mm. So what do you think needs to be done? How can we how can we fix this at the moment, given everything that's going on? So I, th- I think as the time's progressing, 
and the availability of the rapid antigen testings has made things slightly better, although people are now wanting to be you to have a COVID test prior to entering rest homes. With that couple that I've discussed, the husband has now transitioned to permanent care because his physical health deteriorated as a result of lockdown, and that's another point that I'll need to touch on but I'll come back to that but now if she wants to visit him she's going to have to have a rapid antigen test every time she wants to go and visit him and that's easy for the carers but when you want you're trying to do that on someone with dementia who doesn't really understand what's happening anyway we're approaching these people wearing masks and goggles and looking a little bit like aliens to start with I think it's still a bit of a challenge and I think we've just got to take time and be considerate and try to weigh the balance of what is in the best interest of this person in front of me because no one wants COVID spreading through the rest homes and affecting everyone but at the same time we want people to have a quality of life not just be completely restricted in what they can and can't do. There seems to be this need to balance these tensions you know so yeah like you say keeping people safe and Um, protecting them as much as possible, but also keeping um, a certain level of consistency for people around, certainly for access to services and support, um, but also activities and opportunities for engagement. So yeah, how, how best do you think we can balance those tensions at the moment? I mean, in my experience, I would generally say that providing quality of life is probably more of a priority than quantity of life when you're living with someone with dementia and so trying your best to allay the anxieties but not be completely reckless about your actions so allowing them to maintain the routine of going to day programs but avoiding kind of crowded places being sensible about how many people you have in a gathering and what are the things that give your loved one or the person living with dementia joy still and encouraging them those activities to continue as best you can while doing the best you can to keep them safe. Mm. So we talked um, a little bit about what's been going on for you and the people you're connected with there in Taranaki and I'm interested how the community has been responding to this so what different things have been going on to help support people with dementia at this time. So there's been lots of things going on, obviously linked with both Alzheimer's New Zealand and I'm actually on the board of Alzheimer's Taranaki as well. So I know that during the lockdowns, there's been activities packs sent out when the club days have been cancelled to try and enable that ongoing cognitive stimulation. Alzheimer's Charities was running peer support face-to-face prior to the onset of the pandemic and then switched to Zoom meetings so that they continued to get the peer support for the caregivers and for the people living with dementia. And some of them even established new friendships that weren't there prior to the onset of the pandemic. And it just allowed them that kind of sense that everyone's in the same boat. There was an interesting article done by the University of Auckland's James Henner Research Centre that was looking at how Maori had adapted to the changing field of the pandemic. And they basically collected a sample of Komata who would be willing to engage in interviews with the researchers. And they were able to reflect 
impact on previous experiences of epidemics and even how the war had been for grandparents and share those stories to help them guide the way for protecting the wider Fano. Often the Komata were actually more concerned about their mokapuna than actually themselves um, and providing that guidance for them. But they had actually in, put lockdowns in place at the Marais prior to the government suggesting it. Um, and they had found that actually a lot of them found that their family relationships improved with the lockdown. So they were having more contact with family overseas in Australia, be that via Facebook, um, Zoom or um, just the telephone. Yeah, it was interesting in an earlier podcast, which we recorded during the first lockdown here in Aotearoa, we spoke to another local Alzheimer's association who told us they had people join the online support groups who weren't actually able to travel to the in-person ones previously because they lived in a very rural area and it was hard for them to arrange support and care for the person while they were gone. So it created a space for people to engage that wasn't there before. And I mean, obviously there's certainly challenges with people who aren't super confident on technology and, you know, we need to make sure that we're supporting people to engage with that as as and where they want to. But it's great to hear that, yeah, the sort of the, the shifts have been able to create more flexible options for people to engage. Yeah. Because there's also cognitive stimulation therapy has been able to be adapted to be on Zoom so you can still get that stimulation. And there's also even exercise classes that people can join in on Zoom that are directed for people who are more frail and possibly have dementia so that they're just moving a bit more at home and not physically deteriorating because they're restricted at home. Because that's another thing that has been a bit of an issue with COVID is that people have been neglecting their physical health and conditions that were there because GP appointments are put off because you don't want to go and risk infection. And then if they're not put off, they're switched to virtual. And that makes it a little bit difficult too, because depending how advanced the dementia is, it's hard for you to get across what the issue is with the person with dementia via a video call, especially if it's pain or a physical symptom. Mm. There's a phrase that we hear a lot at the moment around the new normal. How do we balance keeping each other safe with the need to stay connected and to maintain a good quality of life? That's a hard question because the new normal is ever changing as well. We have to adapt to the fact that, yes, we're probably going to be living with COVID around for some time, but accepting that it is now just part of the community. and, And so I guess especially with those living with dementia, I think we would need to prioritise the need to stay connected. I guess everybody's going to have their own view on that, you know, no one person's. If you've got a very frail, very advanced dementia, then you might want to just stay home, protect them, that kind of thing. But it's about making use of those opportunities that we've talked about with the online support keeping involved with your local Alzheimer's Association and up to date with the latest COVID guidance is probably a good thing to do. But being mindful that for the people living with dementia, some of the rules will be difficult to apply, such as the mask wearing and maintaining the physical distancing of one metre, because they don't necessarily understand why that's necessary. 
I guess it's just about balancing that being overly paternalistic and trying to keep them safe at all costs versus giving them that quality of life and allowing them to continue to live well. So for anyone listening today who yeah, might know somebody living with dementia um, in their community or somebody in their social or family circle, you know, what are some things they can do to help and support people right now? I think the most important thing is keep that connection alive, be it by phoning. If the person with dementia or their care partner is able, do a video call because it's always much better to have as many sensory inputs for the person with dementia as possible. Go for walks with them, you know, take them out, provide support for their care partner as well. So if it's your mum who's looking after your dad with dementia, give her half an hour so that she can go take some space for herself and you can sit with your dad and enjoy time with him, regaling on past events or whatever it may be that you you and your dad want to do or friends same thing just be there to support both of them through the journey because it's a hard journey for everyone and everyone's journey is different so I can't say definitely this definitely that but do what you can to show them that you're still around for support it could be as simple as delivering them a meal to just let them know that you're thinking of them just because everything else is going on in the world that you haven't forgotten about them I think a diagnosis of dementia can shrink people's world anyway um, and especially in times where the situation out in the community is there's so much uncertainty it shrinks their world even more well kia ora Sarah and um, thank you for taking the time to be with us today If you're also living with or supporting someone with dementia, you are not alone. We are here to help. Our website has lots of signposts and advice for people affected by dementia. And you can find that at alzheimers.org.nz.